Welcome back to the D's on Fire podcast. Uh, I want to start off by welcoming Alec again. So it's, it's going to be a continued co-host now. Ready? <laughs> Good start. Two weeks in a row. but Yeah. Great, great groove we've got going on. Um, and I want to open up uh, tonight's, tonight's pod uh, with the Duquesne Duke of the Week, Megan McConnell, uh, who's the only player in, in college – basketball either men's or women's to have two triple doubles so far this year uh she's also leading the conference in rebounds steals assists uh basically she's averaging a double double with points and rebounds and then she's got six six assists and i think three and a half steals a game so that's just a ridiculous stat line of averaging and all for like to have 10 rebounds a game as a point guard is just Absurd. Absurd. She sounds like uh sounds like a better version of Russell Webb, Russell Westbrook who can shoot, and probably the teammates like her. So that's yeah, probably the yeah. There is that. There is that good aspect to it. Don't uh, want her traded or in the transfer portal or anything. No. Then um, the other uh, note of individual accomplishments from Duquesne women's basketball this past week: Tess Myers, who is also a a COVID sophomore alongside Megan uh, is now top 10 in three-pointers made at Duquesne uh, for her career. And obviously having this to only be counting as her sophomore year, she's got, she's got quite a few opportunities to, to grow on that. So two, two great Duquesne Dukes uh, from local, with local ties, uh, really, really doing great work for the program. Do you think is, is that like your, I know you don't have like the pace numbers for that, but 10th, sophomore year if she she's going to stay all four years obviously yeah i, I would think so first so, is she on pace for first i I'll, I'll have to do a deeper dive into the numbers next week um to see what what sounds she's, certainly top five yeah i would think so it's it's going to be interesting to see what what her averages are and what what they pan out over two more full seasons not not accounting for any injuries or anything like that. Sure, um, sure, obviously. I then, hate that all the time, like, if they're healthy, every single person has to say that, like, let's stop saying if we're healthy. We're all assuming that if they're healthy. We all know if the best player gets injured, then that team will suck, especially in basketball. And and speaking of that, uh, the game that I just watched the women's team play against Kent State, uh, they're starting center um was out all game not sure what the reason is yet uh gonna find out probably in the post game press conference which i haven't listened to since the game wrapped up about 15 minutes ago um but yeah that, that'll be interesting to see why yanni townsend missed the entire game um the backup big they played a bit of a small ball lineup today the backup big amaya hamilton who's usually like a three was playing four and slash five today uh, got a career high in points because, I mean, against a team like Kent State, size is the advantage. 
Um, and even though Amaya is not necessarily like anywhere near a stereotypical big for us, she was able to use that size, get, get down low. I think she ended up with 26 points tonight. Um, so that's, that's the recipe for success. And it looked like Duquesne's offense in the games that I've seen runs better running through the big, uh, trying to get them involved and then passing out to open shots as opposed to kind of trying to force the threes, um, which is inside also, and out. Yeah. And I think that's probably the recipe success for the guys team too. Um, as the season progresses and the bigs get a little more comfortable with the offensive moves and, and get taking those open looks. Um, but the, the women's team is in their third. They just finished a third of a four game and 10 day stretch. Uh, they lost the first one against Tulsa, but it was a incredible game to go to. Uh, they, they were struggling for the first three quarters and then the fourth quarter, they just came on like wildfire, almost came back tw down 20 points uh, to take a lead. And then they missed the shot to go ahead. And after that, it all went downhill, but um, Tulsa is probably going to be probably going to be a tournament team uh, from what coach Burton and I talked about after the game. So with, with that knowledge and how close we came to, to coming back on them, it bodes well for what things are going to look like for the women's team the rest of the season. And they've, they've won their two games since then. So um, yeah, they're, they're fighting through this stretch and looking pretty good. Um. And outside of those games, now now we can focus on the Ball State game that we both uh, watched very closely on replay, uh, with the exception of I was able to hop in with 20 seconds left in the game, and what a time to jump into that game. Yeah, I feel like we'd have to start with this game with the ending. I mean, when I got – you know it was a good shot when you get an ESPN update on your phone about – a Duquesne basketball game because I think that's the first time that's ever happened <laughs> since I went to Duquesne getting an ESPN update. So, yeah, and the shot did make uh, number four on the ESPN's top ten the next day. So. Oh, see, yep. <laughs> uh, Sounds like I was right on track. Yeah, um, but at the twenty-second mark, uh, we had a one-point lead. I felt good because Dan brought. All right, we've we've. We've got a good defensive team most nights. We've got a lead where I feel comfortable. Um, and then, I mean, I think it was Sellers that drove basically like full speed and got the and one. And then they had a two point lead with 12 seconds left, but it deflated the building getting an and one there after feeling, feeling good um, just a few seconds earlier. And then, I mean, the play call, it, the play didn't go as planned. That's that's. I was going to say, like, what do you think the play call was? Because that's what I was about to say. Like, So from my I, understanding, I from listening to the post game and listening to Day Day Grant uh, in an interview that was done uh, a few days ago, maybe yesterday, um, the play was intended to get Day Day the ball to have a possible look. Uh, and obviously the focus was on him not being able to touch the ball, uh, which kind of threw the play out of funk. Trey said he got the ball, tried finding an open man, then re realized there's only three seconds on the clock. Um, and earlier in that game, he was able to pump and get the guy to uh, commit to jumping in the air. So I think that was his plan. 
because uh, he, he pumped, I think, two or three times before he released the ball. Um, a ridiculous shot. Ball State, I think, has had two or three games now where they've lost on, like, a similar situation where it's just, like, the last play of the game just goes the wrong way for them. Um, and this one in particular, there's nothing There's nothing else you could do as a defender there. I mean, it was just an amazing shot. No, it was perfect shot. defense. Yeah, it was perfect defense from uh, Ball State's perspective. Um, and he, I mean, he had a buzzer beater at halftime too. Yeah, uh, the buzzer beater at halftime. And that was yeah. like that felt really important in the moment because going in the half, uh, I get I just I didn't I didn't hear this on the call, but I assume Day Day had two fouls early. Yeah, he did. He okay. He so yeah, had two you, fouls with ten minutes to go in the first half, and he kind of sat out yeah. that rest of the first half. That's what I assumed. I just didn't hear it or like them talk about it. I must have missed it. But uh, so yeah, Brewer had to kind of carry the offense in the first half. He did a really good job uh, with that. When you're when you lo- lose your best score, and then it the the lead was almost out of hand, and then going into the second half, they kind of rallied, and that that shot at the end was just as important as or at the end of that. Uh, first half was almost as important as the game-winning shot. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it was talked about after the game. Trey was so confident in the shot that he he just turned around and started heading to the locker room before it really went in. Um, and he said after afterwards that he knew it was green, like 2K. He just he just saw <laughs> that green, green go off, and he's like, all right, we're good to go. Um, yeah, and Kareem Rozier was the guy that uh, made the assist on that end-of-half play. And he really impre- – like, I don't know what his stats were at, at, the, at the conclusion of the game, but he just – Who are you talking tr- about? Kareem Regier. He, he, oh, okay, okay. he is just a true point guard where he's, he doesn't necessarily have the shot. He's not, he's not as athletic as Rajon Rondo, but his style of play is very similar to early Rajon Rondo where he's, he's able to drive, but he's always looking to make a great pass to set somebody else up or set the play in motion. Yeah, I mean, he had three assists in 14 minutes. And the assist, uh, Clark had the most assists in 34 minutes with four. So, I mean, that kind of just gives you a glimpse into the type of game that you're describing. He's looking for the pass as opposed to for a shot. You know what I thought was interesting at the end of the game was, um, because I thought, so the more I watch Dixon, the more I'm like falling in love with this game. Um, I was kind of shocked he wasn't on the floor to end the game. They they closed with... um, Rotrov, yeah, and Williams. Yeah, well, Trey is basically getting all the four minutes. Um, so he's. What do you think about that? Because I don't. Out of the front court, I think the better starting lineup, better front court, in my opinion. And again, this is two games in for me, but I like Rotrov and Dixon, and I'm not really the last two games. I haven't seen a lot from Williams, in my opinion. I think Trey is a good small ball big like a good small ball five um but we the issue is we don't really have a four right now because of all the injuries so in Rotroff and dixon both don't have outside shots to their game so i mean trey is not necessarily the best three-point shooter but he still has something where if he's left open in the corner he's gonna make it um okay. so i haven't seen him take many threes but right. i guess yeah, like he didn't have any attempts in this game either. Yeah. Um, RJ Gunn, who's been out basically all this season and a lot of last season, um, is 
is more this is a better shooter than Trey. He would be the ideal kind of four um, with on offense. Because I think Dixon Dixon is athletic enough to play the four or the five, and I well, think well, as we've a, definitely seen that he's able to defend on the outside. He can definitely. That's defend what I mean. Um, so I I like defensively, especially like Rotrov can be the rebounder, right? Like we talked about how he's the best rebounder on the team, and then Dixon kind of. And he, he was pretty good at playing at the five, too, in this game. But I think he could play the four or the five. I think he's um, flexible enough to play either position. Yeah. It, but I guess it, offensively, you're right. You know, he could he can be a little limited by not having that range, I yeah. guess. And, I mean, another thing with Dixon is he's, even though Rotroff is definitely the best rebounder, Dixon's definitely the best interior defender, too. So it, Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it might be a situation where Dan Brott doesn't want to take him away from from that aspect uh, of being the the interior force on defense. Um, but that I mean, if he works on it, and especially the off season, but like this season, if he continues to develop, um, yeah, that could be a great lineup with Rotroff at the five and and Dixon getting more minutes at the four. And the and the more I think about it, I I had all these thoughts, and then I have them written down but I'm remembering the, my own thoughts. So defensively, that's kind of the team's weakness, I feel like, at guard. And so by having like a more of a defensive front court, I think might balance out the team a little bit more and not having, you know, your Williams kind of, let's just call him the offensive four and Dixon the defensive four. That's essentially what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like from a front court perspective, we need to focus on the defense because at the guard, position defensively that's definitely our weak spot yeah it is but it, i don't i don't think it's as weak as i i i don't think the guards are as weak especially if it's uh mcgriff and clark on the at the two and three that's um, fine but i mean brewers get is is gonna start right and so yeah. brewer so, Bre- at that size like it doesn't matter how like hardworking he is defensively like at that size you can only be so good on defense I will say Dambrot did mention that in the post game that he feels like that's the aspect of the game that when Kevin fully gets his legs back and is able to get back into pre I, I don't I don't know if you know this part he had an appendectomy uh before the year started um yeah. like right before the season started so that's kind of why he wasn't able to practice or play for the starting few games. And that's why he's kind of like getting his legs back under him. Um, so Dan Brod said that once he's fully back into game shape, he thinks he'll, that's the, the defensive part of the game is the part that he's kind of missing because he's focusing so much on being the offensive force because they do need, they do need another shooter. Um, and that's what he brings when he's on the yeah. court. Yeah. Um, and I will say Rogier. I liked his defense too, honestly. Even though he is a smaller guard, he's he doesn't seem like one that uh, gets beat off the dribble very often. Um, I yeah. don't know. I, I like if we had if we had a, a lineup full of shooters, uh, I think he might be the starting point guard on the team, and I think he will be a starting point guard on the team moving forward um, next year and the years after that. But um, I mean, Dev, Tevin Brewer brings a a three-point shot that's absolutely deadly, as does Day Day Grant. Um, Four or five and, in this game, uh, Brewer was from three. Yeah. And Day Day, 
this game in particular, I felt like he might have forced some shots more so than previous games where it's kind of where the offense comes to him. Um, And I think that's because of his limited minutes and he really wanted to make an impact on the game um, when he was out there. And I felt like that might have contributed to it a little bit. Yeah, I didn't like um, he definitely had some questionable takes uh, in the second half. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really like some of his soft shot selection, but he was probably, I mean, I think part of that was he had to sit so long in the first half. He's like, I got to, got to make up for my shots, got to get my shots in that I missed in the first half. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but good thing we had Brewer and Clark, obviously. Yeah. Let, let me go through uh, my thoughts as I'm reading them in the notes. So the first one I wrote down, the Purple Cloak of Defense Award. Uh, that Day Day Grant uh, was supposedly given uh, for his performance last game. That's got to be a pimp coat, right? That's that's got to be what that is. Yeah, or like sign of royalty. I don't know. Purple is like the sign of royalty. So yeah, I guess it could be. With like, it? I guess it could be like a cape thing. You're right. I was once they said coat I was, or cloak. I think it was cloak. Uh, so yeah, it might might cloak be like is a, a strange royalty. word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The only time I've heard cloak really before this, uh, it was Harry Potter. In the I was about to say, it's, if you don't yeah. say Harry Potter, yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's, what I was that's thinking. That's really the only time that I've heard cloak used before. Um, and then uh, the players on Ball State um, that, that stuck out to me was Sparks at number five, who they game planned on. They doubled a lot. And Dan Brott mentioned post game, and I agree with him. When they doubled him, that was the best their defense had played. When they were yes. keying in on him, that was 100%. But they played terribly on Sellers, on his drives and wide-open shots, who is the lefty guard. And then uh, Coleman, who is the St. Louis transfer, um, just killed us uh, on the three ball. He's a good 3 and D wing. Um, and the guy, he, he didn't really make an impact on the game. But another thing that I noticed, number three on Ball State, with the super short shorts uh, that he like rolled up um, yeah. and then had to keep tucking his shirt in to emphasize how, how short he liked his shorts, man, what a throwback to old time basketball there. I feel, yeah, the, the last like five years, I feel like the shorts just, there are guys really, they're really playing that line. They get shorter every season. We might see some dick soon. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, and George Mason's one of those teams that seems to, like, the whole team seemed to really, like, wear yeah. short shorts uh, a few years ago. I'm not sure if that's still the trend for them, but that's that's one of the memories I have whenever we play them is they, their uniforms just seem to have that old-style short shorts. Um, I'm going through some of my notes here, and one that has me, like, laughing that I wrote it down. Can Rotrop stop goaltend like, doing obvious goaltending? He he will block a shot and it would have hit the backboard like two full seconds and then he just swats it off the backboard. It's like, dude, that's clearly goaltending. He did it in this game and he did it against um, uh, Santa Barbara too. Yeah, it's like these are obvious goaltending calls. Yeah, and the the one in this game was really bad because it was nowhere near going to the. That's the, what I the mean. Basket. Like that's what no. I mean. I'm like, what what are you doing? It's not even cool. Yeah. So well, yeah, I'm not even saying funny, it wasn't close to being a block. Like, if he had let it go, right, I don't even know if it would have hit rim. Yeah, I don't think it exactly. would have. Yeah. <laughs> um, another note I had just on physical appearances, Sparks is only listed at 240. That guy 
was pure muscle. There's no way he was only 240 at that height. Yeah, he was uh, intimidating looking. Like, he he is the movie character, like, star athlete build. Like, that's who he was. Right, right. Like and, a monster, like, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I, I feel like he, he definitely seemed heavier than Calvin Johnson was in his heyday, and he's got, like, five inches on Calvin Johnson. Are you so, uh, are you insinuating? Uh, I, I'm just are saying. You, are, that, are you doing insinuating here? I, you know I don't I mean? know. I, I'm con- I'm just confused why they list him at 240. I think they wouldn't want to shortchange him on weight um, as an interior guy, but I don't know. I don't know why you'd list him at lighter than I thought he would be. I have um, another dumb question. Um, why are all of our games at home? So I think that's mainly because they're trying to show off the new facility. Um, we and, have 11 home games in a row. 11. I know. And it was even worse last year, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, no. And they all, when we were looking into the schedule, it was the Kentucky game, the neutral site game, which is basically a home game uh, that Dan Brock did allude to that he might not do anymore at uh, going going to Akron, playing at LeBron's, LeBron's old mm-hmm. stomping grounds, finally. Mm-hmm. So that would that would be nice because it's never televised. So you can't like it's not on ESPN Plus or anything. It's just like a radio game, and yeah. the gym can only hold like a thousand people. Um, it's it yeah, just, you might be losing money by doing that than gaining any. Yeah. So hopefully he gets Le- LeBron's understanding that listen, we just can't keep traveling to the high school gym. <laughs> well, once they have, I'm I'm eyeing up. Um going to a Dukes game in person against St. Joe's. Yeah. So that's uh that's on the that's on in the, the tickler horizon. file. That's in All the right. tickler file. Is your coworker the St. Joe's fan gonna be there? Uh we'll see. I, I didn't uh bring that up to him, but it might be a good idea so because now that I have an inside uh scoop on this Duquesne team, hopefully we just beat the shit out of them on their home <laughs> floor. Yeah. That would be ideal. Um also, I, I mentioned this uh, before the podcast started. I found a website that goes over RPI and net rankings. The best win, according to those rankings, is the neutral site at a game against Colgate. And it does take into account away, away games and neutral site games get seem to be in a higher standing than home games in those rankings, interestingly. Okay. A little bit, um, yeah. Yeah, but it was like... I think that was the quadrant two win that we have right now. And then the quadrant one loss of Kentucky. Um, and then all the other games were basically in quadrant three or quadrant four for us uh, okay. right now. Um, so that was interesting. I think I, lo- I looked into it where we ranked against other teams. I think we were quadrant three or quadrant two uh, on most, most team schedules for, for wins right now. So I think we're ranked around 90 um, out of the 200-some Division One basketball teams on those rankings. So I think there's room to grow. I think we're third or fourth in the A-10 right now, uh, according to those rankings. Um, as I told you, I'm not a big fan of them because they those same rankings have us losing most of the games in conference play, which I don't think I'm not think a big fan of case. those rankings either. I don't really know what to make of them. Like. I don't know what's going into those numbers. Um, that's why, like, 
I like just looking at offensive rating, defensive rating, like how are we shooting three from three, like the actual basketball numbers. Yeah, and I saw on Twitter this week that the NCAA apparently changed the formula for net, but they didn't like they didn't they tell don't. anybody. Well, they didn't tell anybody, and nobody really knows what the formula was to begin with. <laughs> right, right. But they changed it. So we're letting like, you know that we changed it. We're not going to tell you what was in the previous and what we changed, but just know we changed it. Yeah, it changed. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, let's see. Speaking of stats, I have a few interesting ones just overall as a team ranking. Right. Um. So, and the reason why I was so focused on defense because I'm seeing that's kind of our our weakness defensive rating we're 14th in the a10 ranking 104 in defensive rating that's 295th in the net in the nation awesome offensively we're elite <laughs> first in offensive rating at 116 uh points per 100 possession that's first in the a10 and 13th nationally all right so the opposite of what dan brought uh said he was going to try and build the team on when he came in but you know that's, what yeah so it's, it is working right now. So a good offense can can beat anybody. So if we get hot, but that just might be we'll see once the A ten schedule starts, obviously. I think that's when these numbers will really matter. But that's kind of giving you an a peek into what type of team we might be. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully getting healthy and having more a deeper roster. Uh yeah. They that have, should hopefully improve those numbers. Yeah. And they Interestingly, in the post game, they had Coach Drew Joyce join Dan Brott, uh, and this was the first time another coach joined Dan Brott in the coach segment of the post game co press conference. They asked him about the defense of struggles, kind of, and what they do to try and fix that. Uh, and he basically said, "Once we have our full set of guys, we'll be playing full court press basically all game, every game." So. Well, that'll be interesting. They're basically going to have everybody average like 20 to 25 minutes a game um, and just that, run yeah, them. That could be ragged. doable. That could be doable. So it, it'll be interesting to see if that stays and how it affects the offense. Um, looking through the notes, I also wanted to bring up in the first half, taking Brewers three away for a clock malfunction that had no impact on anybody playing that was it's like annoying. the biggest BS I've ever seen. I saw it stop. It stopped when he was about to release the ball, and it didn't continue after the ball was in the air. Nobody on the court noticed it. They all kept playing. They all went for a rebound that never happened because it went in. And then the refs said, no, no. You're going to have to inbound the ball again and not have a reset shot clock. No, no. It's reset to the time that the clock malfunctioned. So you also have a shortened shot clock to deal with. That was just like yeah yeah unreal. that is one of those where like that rule probably comes out you can count on one hand how many times that rule comes out during the season but when it happens to your team it's like oh my god you want to rip your hair out and i they couldn't i think they ruled it an inadvertent whistle which i think was yeah. cover because they realized that like they shouldn't be able to stop the play based off of the clock malfunction especially right. because i was thinking conspiracy theorists a little bit you could have a huge home court advantage if you could do that like just intentionally accidentally screw up the clock when the other team's shooting a three like i mean if that's <laughs> happening once a game i think the ncaa is going to um, come in and be a call shenanigans on sure your, on but like 
well, now if it happens the other way, it's like, well, it happened to us last game. So yeah, <laughs> eye for an eye. <laughs> you just gotta pick and you got pick and choose your moments here against the Dayton team, maybe the the rival as much of it as Duquesne has an in conference rival. Um, it's probably either Dayton or St. Bonaventure uh, that we have the rivalry with. So one of those games, you know, we could see it pop up. Uh, the other first half notes I had, you cannot go under screens against us. Uh, they did that, I think, two times, no. and it just allowed for wide-open threes that we nailed. So, like, in scouting reports, they definitely can't do that against our team. Um, We're first in three-point percentage uh, in the A-10, 17th nationally, and second in three-pointers made in the A-10, 55th nationally. And Day-Day's top five in three-pointers made and three-point percentage in the entire country right now. So that's cool. Um, another note, we definitely have the talent and the, and the, the ability to hustle. The team hustles. They all, there was a few of them that dove to the balls yeah. on the floor trying to save balls. It's just the discipline. And it was mainly on defense that, like, they just break down, they lose focus, and that's that's where – our problems lie right now. Um, ball don't lie happened at the 225 mark uh, where I think it was, I don't know. I, I'm definitely the annoying fan who just complains about the refs a lot. Um, I think I think being around Coach Burt a few years might have rubbed off on me there. I, I've noticed <laughs> that, yeah. Do you definitely complain about uh, college basketball referees a lot, which there's a lot to complain about, but at the same time, it's college basketball referees. We all know this. Yeah, uh, but ball don't lie because they missed both. Very fitting. Um, Peronsky, Matus Peronsky, is very nice depth to have. Uh, again, he, he, I, I liked what he only played seven minutes in this game, but those seven minutes were super impressive. But yeah. I, I don't know why he doesn't play more. Well, he's he's kind of a natural three that they're trying to play at the four to give Trey some minutes um, yeah. off. I think they could probably get away with some more to give Trey some more rest. Uh, right now, um, he had a really nice dribble drive, like yeah. off the dribble, and drove right to the right to the hoop. And then he reminds me of little, because um, he's Serbian, right? Yeah, yeah, Serbian he or Slovakian, one of those two. Not that that has anything to do with the guy that I'm about to pair. Uh, compare. <laughs> I was gonna compare European, I guess. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz on the on the Sixers. He's yeah. Furk, like you would just think, uh, he just can only shoot the threes, a white guy who shoots a three. Now, Furt can kind of do a little move off the dribble, and I kind of see that with Hronsk uh, as well. Yeah, he's he's definitely a very European-style player, um, but it fits well. And I, I, I mentioned this in my note as well. I thought of this after his first basket, and he just got better as the first half ended. He he had a nice string of minutes mm -hmm. there at the end of the yeah. first half. No, he did. He did. I, I saw the same thing. Um. I had that in my notes. And we had a decent amount of foul trouble from our team in the first half, including Day-Day. Uh, and and because of our bigs being hurt, that, like, whenever there's any sort of foul trouble, I'm getting nervous right now. Um, because, you I know, mean, if Dixon is in foul trouble or Rotroff is in foul trouble, then extended minutes for the other one, one or the other could be really bad because they could get gassed. We haven't seen it yet, but that's something I'm worried about. Yeah, Rotrov finished with four fouls. Uh, Trey had Trey Williams had um, four as well. So, 
again, I really thought Matus would get more. Maybe that's a plan in the future to try and get him more minutes for Trey. Uh, although Joe Reese, what, they did hint that Joe Reese is probably going to be playing in the next game. Um, I don't know if okay. they'll start or not. Uh, they might just slowly work. I can't back. imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Dave Dixon has looked really good. I mean, Joe, Joe Reese looked really good in his first few, and he looked a lot better than Dixon did when Dixon was a sub. But right. I don't know. They they look pretty even now. And, I mean, Dixon's oh, no, I the look, future. Yeah. So. I, I like a lot what I'm seeing from Dixon. The only thing I could think of reason why he didn't finish the uh, – the game on the floor with the game on the line, he had five turnovers in this game, which I was surprised about. Uh, we had 11 overall as a team. So he had almost half of them, okay. but even 11 as a team, when you yeah, think but... about it, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Like we're taking care of the ball. Really? No, well. I mean, especially compared to last year, this is night and day or yeah. pass or pat like the, the assist numbers might not be super high, but the ball never is like an ISO play. It's always everybody touch, seems to touch the ball on just about every possession, um, which is really nice. Uh, so we average 11 turnovers a game. That's first in the A-10, 39th nationally. So we're taking care of the ball. Okay, first isn't good. All right, I was going to say 11 first is good. first. First like, good, right. yes. I was going to say. I have to make sure when I'm sorting <laughs> – <laughs> that that it, the numbers are descending or ascending, but yeah, and yeah. all I'm doing all these stats by basketball real GM. So if that's it, seems like a pretty reliable source, and it's the most up to date. Where you don't have to wait a day for all the games to be over. You can just once the game is played, that's it's updated. So all right, that was all my first half notes. Did you have any <clears throat> other notes from the first half that you you remember? Uh. No, we kind of we kind of touched about all of it. Brewer, you know, carried us in that first half with Day Day being out. Yeah. Um, um, and just just like keeping the deficit manageable in the first half was really the that was the biggest key. Um, this this first note that I have for the second half is interesting, based off of what what you said earlier about Trey. You not liking Trey's uh, minutes necessarily. Um, I love the hook shot by Trey in the post like where he backs down the guy and just turns and does the little hook. It's just unstoppable, the little soft touch. I love that in a big. Mike Hughes did it. Marcus Weathers did it. Trey's doing it. I love that offensive uh, play. I don't See, know. I think that's kind of where we differ on this. Like, that's why I prefer Dixon. I just don't – I don't really love that shot. I mean, he can make it sometimes, but I haven't seen enough where that, like, he's a net plus – more than a net plus from Dixon at the four, in my I, opinion. That's fair. It was just I. I think it's more so. Just You're that. old school. You're just old school. It, so I you am. like a classic hook shot. I do. It's just an unstoppable shot if you if you master it. They can't block it. Uh, um, Dixon is such an athlete. Is my very next note. Uh, I think that was. Um, I my think that was my he, next note. He rebounded. Your... I think he rebounded and went the full court. Uh, like yes. just dribbled down to full court. I think that was the, the comment on that, uh, which was ridiculously impressive. And he had a I'm I have him my next note for Dixon. He had he caught an alley oop. Love right, that. Right. I mean, <laughs> love that. Love the uh love I said the greatest play in basketball last podcast. I mean it. I've I took that as a note. I write it down because I love the alley oop. Um I have one note that says Day Day Grant is so damn good. 
I think that was the mid-range shot uh, around the free throw line that he took that gave us the lead again. Um, another another uh, referee complaint. What a terrible late foul call on Dixon at 11.55. And I remember this one specifically because they waited until the ball hit the floor that he missed the shot before they blew the whistle. And it was a ref from the opposite angle, terrible angle. And if you watch the slow-mo replay... <laughs> There's no way there was a foul. No way. There was I don't no body remember specifically what uh-huh. play you're talking about because uh, I didn't I, write down the top, the times, but you sound passionate about it. That's for sure. I mean, they did a slow-mo replay. He like came from behind, hit the ball. There was no body contact whatsoever. And they still call it bailing a guy out because he missed a layup. Whatever. Um, my, my other Dixon note here. So I, this must have been all in sequence because I have it in one. So he, he caught a lob and then right on the defensive end had a great rotation on the weak side of a pick and roll. And, or no, that was before the lob. So he had great defense, weak side peak, pick and roll and perfectly timed. We talked about it earlier, perfectly timed double teams. That was the best part of their, their defense in this game. And Dixon was a part of a lot of them. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry if I'm sucking Dixon's dick a lot, but I just think athletically, especially on the defensive end, he was finishing around the rim offensively pretty well in some pick and rolls. And when he was close to the rim, he had a pretty nice touch. So I don't know. I just think I think he should be starting. I think Rotroff and Dixon are our best front court. Yeah. Um, Oh, I I do have the oop and celebration by Dixon is very fun every time, every time. Yeah, just the the little raise the roof that the entire bench does along with him is just great. Um, if we can, if like the fans get coordinated in it at some point, and you just see an entire stadium doing it, that would be yeah, that would be great. Um, uh, I'm not even gonna mention this one. It was another ref comment that Day Day was Day Day was fouled on a three, and it wasn't called. It happened like. We could do left, a whole podcast left. on Frost's complaints Listen, with uh, referee calls each game. It it's it's so frustrating when I watch. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Um, the Dambrot norms for Duquesne comebacks in close games. That's that's just it. Uh, so we're we're just never gonna. We've blown I think one or two teams out this year, and yeah, we've we've had two comebacks now of like ten points or more. Um, so, so North Florida, Colgate, close games. South Carolina State was the blowout. Alabama State blowout. Yeah. Santa Barbara, eleven point victory. Is that? Well, we we extended win. we extended that towards the end. Yeah, that was that was a That's close just, game. You just call that a win. You just call that a good win. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Colgate, uh, we had a big lead, and then Colgate chipped away at it, and it was terrifying. And I watched. I watched the end of that game because one of the fans in the arena, because it was the neutral site game, did a periscope, and I was able to watch our like very terrifying collapse and horrible gra- like, I mean, old time video game uh, graphic. Really, you couldn't tell what the players were. You could just tell the teams based off the color of the jerseys. Um, yeah. Uh, Do you have any um any preview on this? Oh wait, we shouldn't talk about preview for Marshall. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I haven't done any research on it aside from what I heard in the post game press conference, which is their coach basically developed uh, this kind of style of play on offense that 
people have taken over with the uh, I don't I don't I don't know. Dan Brott was raving about him, how he's like mastered this offensive game and how they average like 80 points a game. And it's just going to be a ridiculously tough defensive matchup for them. And they're going to really have to improve if they want to have did, a chance of winning. I think I did take a glimpse into their two top players are like scoring over 20 points a game uh, at the guard position. So I think, yeah, he's right. Sounds like we're going to have our hands full. So hopefully Clark, I think Clark in this game, not only did he hit the big shots, but defensively, like he, he's definitely our best wing defender, I would say. Yeah, um, he, from he definitely is. Position. This, this game was great because this is the first game he really hasn't gotten into foul trouble, um, which yeah. allowed him to play more. Um, yeah, Trey, Trey played at VCU his freshman year, and he was a defensive menace there. And I was so excited to hear that he was coming to us because I knew that he'd at least handle the defensive side of things. And I mean, if you're coming from, v if you've played at VCU, you've got some great athleticism to you too. I mean, that's just kind of how they recruit. Um, so yeah, I was he's, he's, he's at 1.8 steals a game, which is fourth in the A-10, so. Yeah. Uh, and then I just have Sellers, Coleman, and Sparks were by far the best players for Ball State. And they probably will be just about every game that they play. Um, that just seems like those those three are definitely the leaders of that team. Yep. Um, that's that's really all my notes from the game. I mean, it was it was a back and forth game. It was tight throughout. Uh, I don't necessarily think that if we played our A game, it would have been a tight game. I feel like we we have a higher potential than than they do. Um, based off what I saw, because it felt like their guys had a lot of games that were above average um, offensively, and yeah. and we definitely did not play well defensively, so we kind of let them get those opportunities. Um, yep. And plus Day-Day, you know, we missed Day-Day for right. basically half of the first half, so a full quarter, he was just totally off the floor um, having your best player at not out there, you know, yeah. it's going to hurt and, a little bit. And he didn't play the whole second half either. So, like, he's his minutes probably dropped, like, by at least five to ten minutes than his usual average. Um, in this yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he, what, plays probably 35 minutes a game? I, 30, 35, probably around there, yeah. That's what I'd say. Um, he's at 25 in this game, so. Yeah, that's five, ten less. Um, all right. Uh but yeah, that's yep. about it for for notes uh, from me as well. Just but both both teams shot the lights out. I mean, yeah, forty. We we shot forty seven percent from the field, fifty percent from three. Ball State fifty four from the field, forty seven from three. So yeah, Ball State. It was, State just, was, it was just one of those games. It was a shootout. Whoever got the last shot, won. literally, literally. Uh, and Ball State, I think, we're above sixty percent from the field at the end of the first half. Um, which just yeah, kind of shows right. like how, right. how ridiculous the offense was and how bad our defense was. Um, all right. So I did promise the folks back home, all the, all the great listeners that we have that we'd uh, dive into some North Dakota basketball uh, this week. And I'm not, not going to do a deep dive into all of North Dakota high school basketball. There's just one, one player this week that I, I, I dove into Joe Hurlbert. Uh, he was, the, he's the North Dakota Basketball Player of the Week for the D's on Fire podcast. 
Uh, he went to Enderlin Area High School. He was a three-star prospect center, 6'11", 220, which really, when I was thinking of North Dakota basketball players that, like, would be well-known, it was oh, a big, tall white guy, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stereotype, maybe, but, man, I nailed it. Uh, he was a three-star prospect on top 24-7. Signed to Colorado. It's his freshman year. It looks like he's probably redshirting because he hasn't gotten any minutes. But Colorado was talking about maybe him getting minutes possibly this year because the area that they don't have much depth in is their bigs, apparently. Um, he was a three-time All-State selection, two-time Gatorade Player of the Year for North Dakota, all-time leading rebounder for the state with just under 1,500 rebounds in his career, shot 40% from three, which I was really surprised to hear about. Uh, Average 25 points per game. Uh, And God, it must be really cool to be just like a good high school ball player. Honestly, that's all like I would want. Just if you were good in high school, you can just relive that glory day or the rest of your life. Just living as a character in one tree hill. What a dream. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say for a team to join Colorado, is going to be a great, great school to be at right now because Dion prime time joining the, joining the team, their football team is going to be amazing. It's probably going to bring in athletes and the other athletic programs too, because I mean, they're going to be a fun school to be at. Yeah. And I'm sure Dion will definitely go to some basketball games there. No question. So yeah, yeah that um, will just be really cool. Yeah. Uh, so those are, those are my main notes from this part. Uh, and we're going to time travel a little bit for all you listeners. And the next time, in the next seconds here, uh, we'll be listening to the end of the Marshall game and watching the end of the Marshall game and giving our takes about how that game's gone. Yeah, it should be interesting uh, multitasking because I just do way too much pe- preparation for this podcast. But, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Get some live reaction for towards the end of the game. Right, well, no, live for us. Yeah. Now I just have to find transition music. (laughs) And we're back uh, from just seconds ago. Uh, We're about four minutes left in this Marshall-Duquesne matchup. Four minutes, 19 seconds to be exact. Marshall's up 65-59. For those of you who are listening after the fact, we have no idea how it's going to end. We're amazed that we once again pulled a classic Dan Brock comeback. From being down 20, really, to... I don't feel like that's going to happen, but hopefully I'm made an idiot. Yeah. Um, So, Alec, our our thoughts from this one are uh, turnovers. Not good, this game. No, those things are bad, as it turns (laughs) out, in basketball. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and our our average of 11 I feel like per I, game. I feel like I jinxed it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna take a little <laughs> bit of blame on this. Uh, I tried to get cute, bring out the stats, be a nerd. You know, people want to hear the numbers. No, they don't. Well, the biggest offenders so far when it comes to turnovers, uh, Quincy McGriff with five, um, Austin Rotroff with three, and Day Day Grant with three. Um, Dixon, who had five last game, only won this game. So there's that. That's a plus. It, yeah. it is. I mean, it might be controlled by how many minutes he's playing, but still something. 
Do you have, uh, where... um, I'm trying, why is ESPN not have minutes on their thing for a live game? That's kind of dumb. I don't know. I guess I, we'll I, find I... out after once the game closes. But yeah, I think he, the, he, he cut his minutes uh, shorter in this game. He, he's definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if it's below 20 by the end of it. Yeah, and Joe Reese uh, is looking like he's maybe closing this game out. Um, which he's been he's he's been off the floor for most of the night as well. Uh, yeah, that might be again getting his legs back into it since he's been off for so long. Uh, Rotroff, who typically is not playing as many minutes as we'd like, has played a lot of minutes tonight. Uh, he's he hasn't had the the goaltends. Um, no, but he had that stupid hanging on the rim yes, that led he did. to. But free, I will free, say, and he was trying to get it with his fucking hand I, on the rim. I, I understand. I'm like, why that, does this guy keep doing stupid shit? But at the same time, that was quick reaction for a technical on a hanging on the rim. Like he wasn't on the rim. That it was. Long. It was live. It was live play. That's the difference. Is like if it like they said on the broadcast, if that was a celebration, they probably don't call it, and it's a made bat. Basket, but since it was the ball was live, they they got to call they got to call that. I don't. I will say a, a plus from that, even though we gave up the free free throw point, Ooh. we got the we kept the ball, which I don't think we would have if uh, if he didn't hang on the rim. I think that was going Marshall's way. Speaking um, of giving up, yeah, uh, three points. They we just contested, or oh, Day Day's coming back with the three of his own, down seven with three minutes and ten seconds left. We were saying it before we started recording, like the fact that this is still a seven point game with three minutes with the way the first half ended. It's I'm not going to say impressive, but it made it's making things interesting, at least. Yeah. Um, And and you and I talked about it before uh, starting the recording for tonight. We're somehow shooting better from three than we are from the field, which should really never be the case. that's where most of our shots come from. We're shooting. We're yep. we shot. We shot twenty six shots from three tonight. Of sixty three. Like, yeah, it's yeah. almost half. Basically, um, a third of our shots are from three. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and they're Marshall. I mean, is not too far off. They're four of seventeen. Uh, so they're shooting worse from three, shooting better from inside because they've had so many layups and um, mid-range shots that weren't really contested after blowing by guys but overall we're definitely defending better than we did uh in the past yeah. few games at the and they spot. said it yeah they said it on the broadcast too like the especially when the the game opened you could see there was an emphasis on on defense i think both teams kind of knew that offense was the strength good three-point shooting teams and you want to try and turn the tide defensively. Absolutely. And man, it is so hard to podcast and watch at the same time because the, those offensive rebounds again, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if we're synced up. Obviously I'm in Philly, you're in Pittsburgh, but Reese just had a nice, yeah. Nice little under. offensive move. To yeah. Get down to five. by five with Loose uh, ball. two, That's two a and foul. a half left. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, this will be an interesting podcast. I'm sorry, folks. I 
if I I've told Alec before, if I'm if I'm taking notes, I'm rewatching the game because the initial time I'm watching the game, I can't turn the fan off. It's just I, no. Do you, I have a I have a word document up with notes, bullet points, so I can't. No, I have. I'm not I have the same. No, I have no notes from this game. Well, uh, someone's got to do the work. I mean, <laughs> we can't both be fans. Someone's got to analyze. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have my instant reactions. Um, the good news yeah. about taking notes is I'm not going to itemize all the uh, incorrect calls by the refs uh, this this time oh, around. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is funny. But, but yeah, right now we're we're watching Brewer live at the free throw line with two and a half left. Fucking misses it. On one and one? Oh. <sighs> yeah, that, that hurts. And what were your thoughts of the first half while we're watching the end of this game? So, I mean, the first, the first quarter, I'll say it this way, which you weren't able right. to watch as closely. I yeah. honestly felt like it was the start of an NBA all-star game because despite the shooting percentages now at that point, that, that was a clever soccer pass. I think that was intentional. Uh, uh <laughs> I can't tell if you're talking about the first half or right now. I'm <laughs> talking about right now. Sorry. Uh, Joe Reese was on the floor, and I'm pretty sure he intentionally kicked the ball out to a teammate while on the floor. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't lead to any points, and we just gave up a basket. But the first half, the first quarter of the game felt like an NBA <laughs> All-Star game where, like, the team – This is so teams, funny. <laughs> both teams were running up and down the floor, making yeah. shots – uh, pretty, pretty efficiently. Much it was, more. Efficiently it seemed there. back and forth. I mean, I I was on yeah. my phone commuting home from work, um, but it seemed like it was back and forth in the beginning of the first. Yeah, half. I think I think the largest Trading lead blows. probably during that point was like five or four point lead, uh, during that first ten minutes of the game. Um, and then the second ten minutes, at some point we stopped making baskets and we could not stop them from scoring, and that is what led to the huge lead. Um, I mean, that, that like from, I wrote it down, like I would say five minute mark, maybe a little earlier, but from five minutes until the end of the half, I mean, they were just transition points were just, we were getting, we were bleeding transition points. Yeah. I, I, points I remember the, after Marshall, for, uh, made for Marshall. The first bas- Marshall made the first basket in the second half. And it, the announcers mentioned they're now on a twenty to two run. So it was literally the end of that entire half. Uh, yeah, was just brutal. Um, and most of those points came from transition. They were doing transition threes, um, getting to the getting to the rim. I mean, they. I felt like out of those twenty points, maybe half of them were just fast break points, just not getting back on defense. Yeah, I mean, points off turnovers is. Like turn, Trey's Trey's had so many opportunities to really like. Trey Trey has had a better game, and we talked about it a little bit before the pod. I was fully prepared, and still fully prepared to talk my David Dixon over Trey Williams. This is a bad timing for that <laughs> argument. Uh, but you prepared for it, so we are gonna I'm, hear it. Yeah, I'll we'll get to it once the game once once uh once the clock hits zero. But right now, Dixon 0 of two for in this game, 
don't have the minutes on ESPN, like I said earlier, but it hasn't been many. Yeah, it hasn't been many. Uh, Especially in the second half. I don't think I've seen him uh, out there at all. Alley-oop for Marshall. Yeah, this game's over. Again, transition, just like not getting back on defense quickly enough, which I mean, at this point, we're focusing on trying to get points and not not letting – trying to get the offensive rebounds. Yeah, we are. I mean, this is – this team has been tested before. I'm not going to say like they don't – you know, we've made comebacks, had one point, multiple one point, one basket victories, but this is a know, better they, they team look, that they're up against tonight this, with, with yeah. that. Yeah. And I was interested in how this game would go because going into it, it did seem like they were evenly matched. I think I saw we were only like one and a half um, point favorites going into this game. I checked that yesterday. I don't know what the line closed at, but can't be too far off of that yeah and i mean i think that's all right turnover for marshall which is rare um i think i think those points in our favor was based off of us having home court advantage too so sure absolutely i i I think realistically marshall was slightly more respected in part because they didn't have such a bad season last year in part because their coach uh and their offense is so highly respected and in part because of how our defense looked probably coming into the game. I, I mean, we were worried about this one for all those reasons. Um, Both these teams seemed kind of even um, offensively going into the game. And I think we already pretty much the difference is just the turnovers. Like if, if you're evenly matched on offense like that, you can't, give the ball up, which is shocking as we talked about um, earlier in this episode, like they're pretty good about taking care of the ball. So it's kind of shocking to see from this team. Yeah. We held, we held Marshall's strength down, which is their three point shooting. And they held one of our strengths down, which is our, our lack of turnovers. Um, Yeah. I'm going to chalk this up. They just, hit a yeah. layup with under a minute left 77 66 as of right now we're just well this would be like a, a historic college basketball comeback in general if they come back and win this one this is exactly what i said to you oh, yesterday. offline offline <laughs> i said i don't want this to be a 10 point lead for either team because the other team is going to think that they're still in this game and they're going to foul the fuck out of each other. And we're going to be here for another 15 minutes for this game to be over when there's 46 seconds left in game. I, time. I agree with that sentiment. That said, that guy just threw his head back as he was running. There was, that was Boo-hoo. an NBA, NBA foul. But, trying to see who, who just got subbed in, but they're off the screen. Got really, uh, Richie like Rozier. Who's probably just picking up a foul? Yeah, this. Yeah, this is. We have to keep it on, but I would definitely turn it off at this point. <laughs> I wasn't on a Duquesne basketball podcast <laughs> right this very second. <laughs> and uh, Rozier, Rozier can't coming in just to get a foul because he had zero. Um, so, but some positives. Um, Clark showed offensively that he has a little bit more in his bag. Yeah. Um, that that was that was nice to see. He was hot. He got hot 
early in the first half and then kind of cooled off, didn't really get any, many opportunities and then start the second half um, making all sorts of shots and even got to the rim a few times. Yeah, I think they mentioned earlier that he was averaging like eight points a game. That is severely – that's severely limited because of his minutes that he's been getting because of the foul trouble he's been in. Um, right. So, like, these last two games, I think, are the actual norm when it comes to his offensive – uh, abilities and what he's going to contribute to the team um, as long as he keeps keeps staying out of foul trouble. Wow, man. Brewer just hit a three, 27 seconds left, 79-71. He, like, I, I know it's wrong to compare, like, different players, but he and Tavian Dunmartin with that instant three-point shot that they can just pull up, uh, from where he's got a quick release yeah yeah but yeah I'm looking at the box score right now Clark is 8 of 18 from the field for 19 points 3 of 8 from 3 felt some of those are chucks I think well I know he missed this two, game I think he missed trying two to make or three on that shot he missed two or three on that same possession earlier in the game too where day day passed up an open three to give it to Clark after mm -hmm. he missed one and they got the offensive rebound. Um, but yeah, there were the middle portion of this game, there were uh, Clark was hot and he wasn't just shooting from three. Like I said, he got to the rim a few times, which that's nice to see. And it was off the dribble. It wasn't like a pick and roll or an obvious, you know, trip yeah, to the lane. I'm just really surprised by the amount of shots that Day Day and, and Clark took because I, I didn't feel like they took that many 18 each Jeez. yeah day, day day took 12 threes well i guess most of those were probably in the the second quarter of this game where i i i wasn't able to watch as intently um and we went on a cold streak so that would make sense um man yeah, on the bench, Ronsky came in, didn't really do much today. Um, McGriff was okay. He was solid off the bench. Well, he, he was did, he, he did his – I mean, he had five turnovers. So, yeah, like, we're talking about that being the difference. A few minutes ago, five turnovers was all Marshall had as a team, and he equaled that out uh, in his minutes alone, which, again, we can't see, but – I mean, he couldn't have played more than 15 minutes today. Um, but aside from the turnovers, yes, uh, he did great. Um, but it, it, because that seems to be the difference in this game, it feels like aside from the, the incident, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, oh, Rogier didn't play as many minutes this game, which was kind of surprising, but I guess Tevin Brewer's kind of back. Uh, when it comes to game shape, so that that probably played a big role in the in the minutes that Rogier got, um, and then McGriff is kind of the backup wing between Day Day and uh, Clark getting minutes off. So yeah, that it does make sense that Kareem's minutes are directly related to Brewer because you can't have both of them on the floor at the same time. And I'm just looking at. Marshall's uh, box score. They basically just have like six players, but their six players are all contributing 
at yeah. a decent level. Four of their five starters in double digits. Frick's off the bench, four of eight uh, from the field. He's got 12 points. And their one started at the We have 25 have seconds digits. left in this game, but pretty close yeah. to the end. And and their one starter that doesn't have double digits is their center who has eight. So yeah, <laughs> and he has sixteen rebounds. Wow, um, wow. Yeah, these these re so we kind of talked about it off the pod. Um, the stats that we were talking about prior to or for the Ball State portion of this podcast, we were talking about we're an elite offensive rebounding team, but horrendous defensively and that showed in this game all the offensive rebounds just felt like we're giving up two or three rebounds when it's really just one but offensive rebounds just hurt so much more well that'll do it i i'm hoping that there's no more fouls after this one um 17 seconds left marshall converts a layup to take the lead to 10 and has an and one coming um which was a light call but Oh, well, (laughs) let's just move on, folks. Um, Soft. It was soft. (laughs) Like the guy wasn't three. Rebound day day from the line. No. And that's game. Pretty much. And game. Now it's game. 8271 is your final folks. And we we just had to bury the field goal percentage a little further there in the last possession. Um, Yeah. Free throw percent, every percent is bad this game. Free throw percent, 52.9% from us. And then Marshall, also bad, 53.3% from the free throw line. Um, Man, like these are two great offensive teams. Marshall has 81 points. They shot. 47.2% 47.2% from the field and less than 30% from the three. And we got 71 points shooting 35.7% from the field. Like that's, it's not oh, fuck. This that's uh makes me regret having to watch college basketball with uh, percentages like that. You don't see that in the NBA, at least not too often. It can happen, but it's rare. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we we hyped it up uh, during the game, Alex. Let's give your statistical and analytical deep dive into uh, the preferred this lineup. This is horrible timing. This is horrible timing. <laughs> uh, so refre- let me refresh this box score. I want to see. Oh, of course. So the minutes column is coming up, but it's all blank. It was it didn't exist before, so this is progress. I'm gonna refresh one more time. Okay. So anyway. So yeah, I talked a little bit prior to the or recapping the ball state that I I don't know. I just think and we'll 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 I'll learn more about Reese as he comes back from injury and see what his game is like. But as of right now, I think Rotroff and Dixon are best front court. Um, Dixon especially playing the four so I'm just gonna we talked a little bit about Williams is what you thought is more more of like the offensive player and I'm describing Dixon as a defensive player Um, so I went into their stats a little bit 
did more of a deep dive on kind of let's compare them as evenly as we can. So um, Williams is playing 24 minutes a game. This is going into the Marshall game. So this isn't including the Marshall stats, but 24 minutes a game, Dixon 16. So in order to even out those minutes, I figured, okay, let's look at their per 36 stats. So per 36 minutes, Dixon is averaging 15 points a game compared to Williams, 11.6. Rebounds is even at seven um, per 36. Uh, The live stats for that is Williams is averaging five rebounds and Dixon with three and a half. So I think that says more about Dixon being able to catch up to Williams per 36, um, where Williams, you would expect him to be a lot, you know, at least two rebounds um, greater than Dixon. Then per 36, Dixon is averaging 30 or three and a half flocks, 2.2 steals. And Williams is doesn't even have one in either category, not even one it, per 36. So that that's a huge difference. So talking about that offense first defense preference um, and then shooting from the floor, Dixon shooting 57% from the floor, Williams 48%, that's 9% difference. And then when you compare their from two-point range, Dixon shooting 60% on twos while Williams is shooting 51%. So again, 9, 9% difference. And so you said Williams, okay, maybe he can stretch the floor a little bit. Like if he has an open shot, he can make a three. Um, Williams has taken three threes so far this season, hasn't made one. Dixon has m- attempted two all season. He hasn't made one. So that's a wash. <laughs> um and yeah, th- this is the last thing, and then I'll be done. Um, Dixon's shooting 43% from the line. That's atrocious. Williams shooting 53% atrocious, but... Slightly know, better than... 10% better. <laughs> um, but so you would think, okay, edge to Williams. But Dixon is getting... He's gotten to the line 21 times compared to Williams, who's gotten there 13 times. And when you consider the eight-minute difference, I'm almost more encouraged by Dixon able to get to the line that many times in that eight-minute difference between the two of them, uh, even though he's shooting horrendously, especially for a rookie. When you consider a rookie, like you don't, and he's a he's more of a front court man. You don't expect him to shoot 80% from the line, but the fact that he's getting there is almost more encouraging to me. So I don't know. This is, again, this is a horrible game to bring out these stats. Uh, I think um, Williams definitely had his best game that I've watched so far. And Dixon by far had his worst game that I've watched (laughs) so far. Um, But yeah, I thought those stats were kind of a glimpse into the type of players they are. And I think the potential, I think what this says is the potential for Dixon to be a full-time starter for this team, uh, not only this season, but going forward. Absolutely. And uh, one thing he didn't mention, um, I think we talked about it off the pod, was Rotroff is just absurdly efficient with his minutes uh, going into this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, which is why you didn't bring him up in the comparison, because he's by far and away the, the best player when it comes to No, yeah, minutes. I was comparing who should start at the four. That's really what my argument was. I think it should be Dixon. 
Um, that's why I picked Williams to compare Rotroff. There's nothing, you know, I don't want to argue anything for Rotroff because he's clearly, like you said, being efficient. Um, he's second in PER in the A10, Rotroff is, which is just absurd for someone I mean, off the bench. Yeah, and also for a big, because PER usually seems to be dominated by uh, guards for the most part. I mean, there's exceptions like Embiid and, and the other all-star Jokic. bigs in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, Jokic. But for the most part, it's it seems like it's a very guard-dominated uh, category. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with he's shooting great from the field. Uh, I think he's, he's third in true shooting in the A-10. A- and then, obviously, we know about his rebounding. He's just um, – what was he, like, first in offensive rebounding percentage or something? I mean, he's – top five at least yeah and uh I, I mean part of his true shooting percentage being so high is because he knows his place he's not stre- he's not stretching out and shooting shots that are outside of his range um and i will say if only I he think, could dunk he could dunk uh he could dunk those balls and not have to hang on the rim to try and put right. it back in all right <laughs> and you just destroy him for it every time uh, it's annoying, man. It's like so <laughs> annoying. I'm sorry. That could be an old man take from me, but I'm sorry. It it fucking annoys me. He, Just he like the refs annoy you, that you can have that. <laughs> I can have this. <laughs> he can have his one goaltender game that you can get irate about. It's fine. He didn't yeah. have that today, so he had to do something else, which exactly. happened to be hanging on the rim and trying to catch the ball that he just missed. It's fine. Um, I will say. Play. I will say. Uh, I think the stats that you brought out are fair to show Dixon's ability to start on this team, but a lot of his minutes that he has played has been as a center and not as a four. Um, That's so right. I think that that might also play into the role where if he is forced to play a four, um, he might not be as efficient, which very, very small sample size to the point that we shouldn't even be mentioning it, but we sure. talk about this, so I'm going to mention it. Today was like no, that's the first a, game. That's a really good point. Today was the first game that Dixon saw minutes at the four with Rotroff on the on the court. Um, and I they don't played a little bit to be fair in, in Ball State, but they there were there was a large portion of the game, especially in the first half, where they were both on the court for a long time. Okay, um, and I will say offensively, you couldn't really tell which one was playing the four because they were both kind of in inside there wasn't somebody going out to the three and stretching the floor when when they were in um and so i don't know i think i think it could work because the strength of this team is the three-point percentage and we have when when you have clark day day and brewer all out there like i feel like that should be the starting five day day's an elite three-point shooter brewer is getting better um clark i'd argue is an elite three-point shooter as well no yeah he's he's, he's He's probably, I mean, he's, you know, the college basketball version of a three and D guy, I would, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, with, with a little more game in his bag offensively with the dri- the dribble drive that he showed. Definitely um, in this game. Yep. And yeah, I, I think the, the biggest question is if we go big, we need to, we need, which we have been doing, we need to get the offensive rebounds with the two big guys in there. And we need to be able to to shoot and convert on those offensive rebounds, which didn't seem to happen as much this game as it has in, in the past. It seemed like a lot of the possessions, again, didn't take notes, but 
just from reaction from watching, it seemed like it feel it felt like whenever we got offense rebounds, we passed it back out and missed the shot again, and eventually the other team got it. So we didn't really convert on the offensive rebounds like we usually do today. And Mar and, and Marshall did. That's why I think absolutely. that's why it that's why it felt um, worse in the moment. Seeing the re when when you look at the rebound stats, we finished with more rebounds, forty six to their um, forty, and we had twenty three offensive rebounds compared to their fifteen. But those fifteen, like they're convert, they're making buckets after that fifteen, whereas we didn't. Yeah, and the turnover battle that we've mentioned before, uh, they definitely won the points off turnover battle too. So yeah, got crushed. Like, we, yeah. The the only reason we were so close in this game is because we somehow shot 40% from three. Um, like despite shooting less than 40% from the field, we shot 40% from three. So, which is, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, Absolutely. that keeps, that keeps you in it when you don't have anything going, but at the same time, you, it just does not seem like you should be relying on the three because if you live by the three, you die by the three. Um, so I mean, and it's that could good. work if you take care of the ball. Yeah. But when you don't take care of the ball, that uh, that normally leads to losses. Yeah. I'll, I'll argue. I'll say uh, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll go out on a limb. <laughs> You'll go out on a limb and say, <laughs> over the ball. Bad. And I don't think I said this on the pod in the ball in the ball state portion of the podcast, but I'll just say Duquesne is a – I would say elite offensive rebounding team, uh, ranking second in the A10-26 nationally um, with 13.4 offensive rebounds, and then defensively just horrific, uh, last in the A10 and 318th nationally. So we're an average rebounding team, but just polar opposites when it comes to offensive defense. Yeah, and uh... – I, I think we're we're winding down here, so I will end the pod on an optimistic note. Uh, coach Dan Burt, women's basketball coach, has tied uh, for the most wins in program history as a Duquesne women's basketball coach and is likely going to pass uh, and be the sole holder of that, that recognition uh, this Saturday against Vermont. Um, it's, he's, he's just done some incredible things with the program. Uh, it was 11 years ago where Duquesne had their first postseason victory uh, as in the women's basketball program when they won a WNIT game against Kent State. They beat Kent State on Wednesday to elevate Burt to that status, and then they make their first NCAA tournament run uh, under Burt as as head coach. So he's he's been here during the best times of the program, and hopefully he's here for a while longer so he can keep keep delivering those wins our our fondest memory of the duquesne dukes sports program all in sports. our lifetime yes um as students we were there for um the dub or the um women's tournament run and by run i mean first round exit no but no no that's no no, no. second round exit they won their first game they were they won their they first were, game. they were in the eight nine game they blew out seton hall in the first game, won by 20 Fuck points. Me. That's and embarrassing. Then, and then, <laughs> the, and then, pride and joy of Duquesne stats, the only team to ever have a lead on UConn in that NCAA tournament was Duquesne in That's that second right. game. Yep. Before before we couldn't make any shots, and UConn could. 
Um, yeah. So I will gladly get blown out by UConn in the tournament any year. Either either side. My lifetime. Absolutely. Men's too. You know oh, what? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. would 100% accept that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've made a commitment that when Duquesne makes the NCAA tournament, that I will be flying out to wherever they play to watch a game. Because how often is that going to happen? Hey, at least uh, I just finished the PMT pod today. At least we're not fucking Georgetown giving right. away free tickets uh, to basketball games to just beg people to watch their program, which is tough to hear. I'm a Philly guy, Allen Iverson, Georgetown. Um, Big East. Yeah, Pride. Big East. Big East Pride. Um, that was tough to hear. I, that was really shocking. That's really shocking. Yeah, and I, I will say – I wouldn't be upset if Duquesne did that and I could just go to games for free. Uh, I guess, but I'm I mean. throw that out there. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it, it is a reputational hit for a program that has such prestigious history as Georgetown to be at that point um, is, is something. Um, yeah, hopefully Primo Spears is still doing well over there. Uh, I did look up yeah. some of his stats afterwards. He He hasn't necessarily been as efficient lately. Um, but still been putting up a lot of shots and getting some points. So, sure, <laughs> for no one to see apparently, for nobody to see, <laughs> for people um, to just see in the box score. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're hopefully it stinks that we lost by nine to a team that was on paper like an evenly matched team. Um. Too many turnovers, but I think if we clean those up, this could have been a closer game, and hopefully they can improve on that when we get when we come through other stiffer competition, especially when it comes to conference play. Oh, I I, I found this out after after we recorded yesterday as well. Uh, Megan McConnell almost had another triple double last night. She was a few rebounds, actually no, a few assists away from messing around and getting a third triple-double. Uh, I was about so, to say, she, didn't you say she was averaging like 10 rebounds a game? Yeah, she she got the rebounding mark again, got the right. points, was t- I think two assists away, and also didn't have four steals like she usually does. She had two, so slacking. <laughs> yeah, she was probably, well, I guess they don't, the kids don't go out to Southside, it sounds like, anymore, because it's like you're afraid of getting shot now, so. No, but she did just have her 21st birthday a few weeks ago. So, oh, okay, maybe she was downtown. Who knows? Where did the cowboy? The, maybe. Where Where do the Dukes go now? I mean, if Southside's closed. I mean, Shady Side was the like alum, young alum section of of Duquesne Dukes. So I don't, I doubt that's where they go. I'm sure. I'm, look, look, I'm sure the Dukes were still going out to Southside and you know, wreaking havoc. But listen, listen it, it has Joe's... been tough to hear. Some of those stories coming out of Southside. Yeah, Smoke and Joe's is still around, but that's not the place you go to at night on the weekend. Um, I, my guess is that you, you go there go for North forty Shore. for forty boneless wings. That's what you go there for. Absolutely, right, Frost. Yeah, boneless barbecue, forty. You heard me. I know you can't take them home. That's oh fine. Oh my god. Uh, no, I th- I 
my th my thought process though is North Shore has to be the place for the all the Duquesne uh, people to go to. I guess or Oakland, I guess. Oh but yeah, probably probably North Shore, but I don't know. Stinks, just stinks. Cause back in my day, back in my day, <laughs> Southside was where it was at, <laughs> and yeah. you didn't have to worry about getting shot. And and back before our day, I heard Shales was the place to be. So yeah. That was uh, I was in Philadelphia at that time in those days. So, oh, I I, I think it was before we were born back in those days. Okay, uh, so maybe uh before the womb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Shales, I think, was the equivalent of Milano's today. That's what I. Well, mm. I don't. I who knows if Milano's is Milano's still. Yeah, who knows? We're fucking washed as a, as uh as we're making it abundantly clear. To any of those students that do listen, feel free to reach out to uh, the podcast Twitter account and and let me know where people go to now. What uh, are the kids doing? Yeah, want to be hit. What do all the cool kids do on their on their time off as you're not studying for finals as you are right now? Oh my god, I I disgust myself as I'm speaking. It's fine. We're we're fine. I was never cool. It's fine. Oh, we've we've proven that time and time again, Alec. We don't have to yeah. tell the people; they know. Uh, <laughs> all right, and and with that, we'll say goodbye again. Uh, can't wait to see you next week. Back with... and I was